welcome to another message presented by the ministry of Christian Faith Fellowship. We are fulfilling the call of God on this ministry to preach the Word of God without compromise, raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that we have to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. Turn with me to the book of Acts, if you would, please, chapter 6, and we'll kind of launch from there. Amen. Amen. You'd think um, it'd be easy to evangelize here because you just tell people if you think this is hot. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Let me talk to you for a little bit. Hallelujah. A few doors down from here, it's really getting rough. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. We had um, uh, Acts chapter 6. We'll pick it up at verse 8. But, uh, I know Brother Tim Grisham is a good friend of this ministry. And, and I was, uh, he was ministering actually at our church not too long ago. And he said, you know, the Bible says do the work of an evangelist. It doesn't mean you are an evangelist, but you should work like one. Yeah. You should work like one. You don't have to worry about to feel the anointing or to do this or to do that. Just tell your story. Amen. Um, before I get into my, my message, you know, uh, I know that you enjoy Brother Hagen and, and such, and of course, so do I. You know, I, I don't know how many things I've heard Dr. Hagen teach over the years that have just absolutely blessed me, but I, I was going through and combing through some things that he preached not too long ago, and he told this story. This kind of, it's just kind of always helped me, and I thought I'd, I'd share it for just a minute, but he said it was the middle of the night and their phone rang. Now, how many remember before cell phones and your phone wasn't by your bed, right? It was in the middle somewhere of the house. And he said, you know, it's, it's 2 o'clock in the morning, 2.30, and the phone rings. He said, by the time I get there, I have hit my toe, right, on the edge of the furniture. Can I get a witness, anybody? Amen. And he said, he said I am hobbling over to the phone. And in the middle of that, somebody calls and their child has been born and their face was deformed. It was just kind of like a, he likened it to a balloon that had been sagged in. And, and the lady, her, her husband is crying on the phone and telling him all of this. And he said, he said, I felt no anointing. My toe is screaming at me. He said, I can't feel God for nothing. And he stopped in the middle of that story. And he said, he said you know, when I was a young man, he said, we used to learn multiplication tables. Remember multiplication tables? And he said, now, he said, three times three was nine. He said, it was nine when I learned it 50 years ago. He said, is it still nine? Three times three is still nine? So just because I didn't learn it today doesn't mean it's not still true. Just because it's not fresh, right, doesn't mean it isn't true. He said, now, is it true at 2.30 in the morning as much as it is in, in the daytime when I feel good? Yeah. Right. He said, is it true when my toe is throbbing? Yeah. Right. He said, and healing's the same way. Yeah. Healing's just as true in the middle of the night when yeah. you feel horrible, yeah. Yeah. Right. when everything's going wrong, when you have smashed your toe again. Right. I added the again because I've done it more than twice. Right. Amen. Yeah. The other toes are like, please choose another one. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm just, I'm real, brother. I preach where the rubber hits the road. If you want somebody smart, Dr. Mize will be coming along pretty quick. Amen. I'm just me. I'm just me. 
But, and, and I thought, you know, that's so true because we keep waiting to feel yeah, the presence right. of God. And we, but certain things are just true. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how life is and what people are saying about you. Aren't people wonderful? Yep. Ooh, they're precious. Yep. Just precious people. Hallelujah. Yeah, that's right. David's own brothers argued with him longer than Goliath did. Yep. Right. Amen. How long? It doesn't take long to throw a rock. It takes a long time to get past your brothers. Uh -huh. Amen. Family's precious. Wow. <laughs> Woo. Amen. Amen. So I just throw that out there because you're preaching on healing, talking about healing. I thought, boy, you know, that's a good truth. That's good for Ray Bench to remember. No matter whether you feel Amen. the presence of the Lord or not, the truth is still the truth. Yes, it is. Amen. We're going to be all right. Yep. Here in Acts chapter 6, we'll pick it up in verse 8. But um, kind of read this into the record. I'm going to tell some of my testimony tonight. This verse has meant the world to me, if I can say it that way. Stephan is a hero of mine, or Stephen, or however you want to say it. And here's the reason. The Lord spoke to me. I got saved in 1985. I got filled with the Holy Spirit, actually reading one of Dr. Hagen's books on prayer. I was raised in the Lutheran church. We didn't pray in tongues. Amen. Um, John Osteen used to say, he was Baptist, and he'd say, Baptist bread, Baptist fed, and Baptist dead. And the Lutheran church was just the same way. Amen? We, we didn't shout hallelujah. We didn't have any kashundas. We didn't have nothing. Amen? And um, it, was, it was a rough way to, quote, go to church, if you can call it that. I've tried to tell people this for years. Just because you have a Bible, a pulpit, and a man doesn't mean you have a church. Mm -hmm. Or any life in it. It doesn't mean they're bad people. There's just no life in that. Amen? So anyways, uh, I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm home one night uh, in college, and the Lord speaks to me. He said, I want you to teach. So I began to, I said to God, I said, I will teach if you'll send me to somebody who can show me how. Because I don't want to say things that are wrong. How about you? Yeah. I always say, don't you hate bad directions? Because you don't find out they're wrong until it's too late. Yeah. You're not where you should have been at 1 o'clock. The wedding's already going on, and you're not there. Yeah. Amen? But if I had known, I would have been there, but the information I got was wrong. I don't want to find out on Judgment Day that I'm wrong today. If someone will tell me now, I'll fix it. Amen? I don't want to live my life wrong before the Lord. I want to know what's wrong, and I'll make some corrections. So I said, God, I'll teach if you'll send me to somebody who will show me how. So that when I stand before you on Judgment Day, because the Bible says a teacher endures a harsher judgment, I begged him. I said, I don't need no harsh judgment. I don't think I'm going to pass the easy one. I don't know no harsher judgment. I just quit smoking about 50,000 times. Amen. And in the middle of all of that, I said, if you'll send me to somebody who will show me how, I'll obey you and I'll teach. And that was my commitment or my covenant with God. That's when I found Dr. Barclay. I came over to Living Word Church to hear a man preach by the name of Lester Summerall. I found pastor and I fell in love with the church and I stayed and that's where I've been all ever since. That's my, that's my testimony. But I, I relocated from where I was over to Midland. We could only afford a little trailer and so we moved into that trailer and I'm walking through the trailer one night. Nobody wants me, nobody's calling me. I don't know Pastor Baker. And, um, and the Lord speaks to me and he says, go get your Bible, let's talk for a minute. It's midnight, everybody's in bed. And this is the verse the Lord gave me. I opened it up and this is what I read. It says this, and it says, And Stephan, full of faith, say faith. faith. And power, say power. power. 
did great wonders and signs among the people. Then there arose some from what is called the synagogue of the freedmen, and it describes that group. And it says, and they began disputing with Stephen. 10, and they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. And I saw this verse and I stopped. I'll never forget we had a little glass table in that trailer. My wife was in, in one bedroom at that end. I had two kids, one boy, one girl, sharing the bedroom on the other end. Um, you know, the, I always say the pipes were freezing all the time. It's cold there in Michigan. We didn't have even a good trailer. It only had the little two-by-two two walls. You know, now they have nice ones, but we didn't have nice ones. Even the mice were complaining, there is no room in this place. <laughs> you know, it was, I'll never forget, I set a trap underneath the kitchen sink one night. About bedtime, we heard snap. I thought, hallelujah, I got it. And then I could hear it dragging it across the floor. We didn't have both legs there in the head or something. I don't know. Janine's like, go get it. I say, you go get it. He'll be there in the morning. He ain't going far. Hallelujah. <laughs> Just being real. Is that all right? That, that condition is where the Lord gave me this verse. And I bowed my head at, the, at that table that day in the kitchen. And I said, God, where is this school? Where is this place? Where did Stephen go to learn you? How do I walk like this? I want to do this. Where do I go? And I literally, I said, Lord, is there an underground church in China? I've heard the church in China is powerful. I'll go there. I'll go to a Bible school. I'll go anywhere you tell me to go. But I got to walk like this. I don't want to just be like I was in my denominational days where I know about God, but I don't ever experience his power. And that's when the Lord spoke to me for the, one of the first times. And he said, there's no Bible school in there. Read it for yourself. Stephen didn't go to a Bible school. So I went back and I, I read all of this, his speech or his sermon, you can say, is his defense. And in Acts chapter 7, verse 54, it makes a statement. It says, and when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. When this man preached... It wasn't like a lot of the preaching we hear today. They were convicted. There's not a lot of conviction in the earth right now. People say they're Christians and they talk like heathens. If there was conviction, they wouldn't talk like that. If there was real Holy Ghost preaching, we wouldn't talk about God the way we do and just kind of spit in his face like it doesn't matter. If you meet him, you won't treat him like that. Amen? Isaiah saw the Lord. He trembled. I always try to tell people, I said, man is the only one I know who, who mocks God and gets away with it for a season. Heaven, heaven bows. Heaven bows when Jesus is around. Hell fears that name. The mention, but man thinks they can just mock that holy name. Take it in vain like it doesn't matter. God is not going to be mocked. It's all written down and recorded. There will be a day. He'll say, I want to talk to you about that. Just like he did the Apostle Paul. Amen. Who are you? I'm Jesus whom you're, whom you're you know, coming after. You're persecuting me. We need to talk. Amen. And so in this verse, it says, they were cut to the heart. I said, okay, so let's go back. Now, I went back to Acts chapter 2. I Actually, I read the whole book of Acts. You know, I try to encourage people, read chunks of the Bible, not just verses. The more large portions you can read, the better your understanding will be. In a sense, the Bible will kind of teach itself. 
So I understand you need a pastor and the Holy Spirit, you know. But it will explain itself if you read enough of it. Right. Amen? Amen? If all you do is look at a tire, you won't understand your motor. Right? right? You just got to back up and take a peek at the whole thing once in a while. Hallelujah. But here in Acts chapter 2, when Peter came out of the upper room, verse 36, says Peter speaking, it says, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And when they heard this, they were, they were cut to the heart. It's the exact same phrase as Stephen had. And that's when the Lord spoke to me. He said, Son, Stephen didn't go to a Bible school. He caught it from being around Peter. Peter caught it being around Jesus. The old Pentecostals, and this is the title of my sermon tonight, but the old Pentecostals used to have an, a saying, and it went like this, the things of the Spirit are caught, not taught. That's what I want to talk to you about tonight. They're caught, not taught. My wife, Janine, we, we raised our two kids. She had a daycare for, you know, we thought we just need it for a season. 25 years later, we shut it down. And uh, so, you know, it took, took all hands on deck to, to build the church and to make the ministry go. And uh, so she shut that down and went back and she started working in children's area of our church. And uh, one of the ladies in the church, she had a couple of young kids and she said, she said, Janine, could you teach me how you work with children? Could you show me? Could you kind of mentor me and help me along? And I love this answer. She said, I can, but I can't teach you at Starbucks. She said, I'll meet you for coffee. I love you. I'll, I'll buy you dinner. That's not the problem. But if you want to learn what I do, come with me Saturday. I'm going to be in the children's area. I have to disinfect all the toys or sanitize all the toys. I got to take down all the decorations. There's a new conference and a new theme. I got to make cutouts. I got to make copies. I got to set out crayons. I got to get things together. That's where if you want me to, quote, mentor you, that's where it's done. It's not done at that coffee shop. We'll talk about it there. But I can't do it there. Does that make sense? You have to catch what I do. You have to see how things get done. Walking with God is much the same way. You will catch it, but I can't teach it to you. I'll try. I'll explain it. But you really, you'll more catch it from just being around. The things of the Spirit are caught. Consider. Consider. Just Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Why didn't he say come to the meetings? He's teaching. It's not like there's bad doctrine. For me to take you from who you are today, Peter, and turn you into an apostle of the Lamb, you're going to have to get your hands involved here. You're going to have to row the boat. You're going to have to be with me when there's just a few fish and loaves. you got to be with me when the storms are rolling. you got to be right by my side. Your Bible school is just off my right shoulder. Amen. You understand what I'm talking about? You have to, you'll have to catch. In the Old Testament, when Elijah wanted to rise, raise up the farm boy Elisha, why didn't he say, come to the school of the prophets? Elijah's the teacher. Again, it's not like there's bad teaching. It's for me to take you from where you are today to where you want to go. Come on. Yeah. You have to get closer. It's gonna, you got to get more involved here. Yes. If you want to connect with heaven, you got to put some effort into this. I can't do that for you. Amen? Yep. If you 
go in the mall and you shop for a while and you come out and you want to start your vehicle so it's cool, which I would recommend. You know, most keys now come with actual key fob, right? Most vehicles and they have the remote start, the lock, the unlock. If you hit that from the, that button when you're in the mall, it likely isn't going to make any changes to your vehicle. Right. Say, is the key fob broke? No. Is the car broke? No. You're just not close enough yet. It works. It'll work for everybody, but the distance is what's hurting you. You're not close enough yet. You got to get closer. That's a lot of the way the things of the spirit are. What you're doing is probably good. You're just not doing it consistent enough or you're not close enough yet. If you'll get closer, it begins to work. In Michigan, the cool nights, I'll have a bonfire for my grandkids to all come over. I don't want just a fire. I want a man's fire. Amen? Amen. I want the neighbors to wonder if we're offering up a sacrifice in the backyard. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen? What caught on fire? Oh, it's just Ray again. Praise the Lord. But, you know, the kids will pull in and the grandkids will get out and they'll see the fire. But so far, nobody feels any warmth. Right. It's not that the fire is bad. It's not that the grandkids are bad. What's the problem? They got to get closer. And until you get closer, that warmth won't affect you yet, even though it's doing just what it's designed to do. The things of the Spirit are caught, not taught. It's not that any people are necessarily doing things wrong, but you have to get closer to the things of God. Peter had to have a closer walk. Matthew had to have a closer walk. You have to get more involved with the things of God if you want to really see God go to work in your life. Can you say amen? That's why I believe in the ministry of helps. You have to catch what's going on. Is this helping anybody? Yes. Let's study again. Is that all right? Yes. Let's go to the book of Matthew, if you would, please. You're not far away there in Acts. A couple of houses over there to the, to the left. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, said Some say you're John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter, now you almost got to kind of brace yourself. When Peter's going to talk, right? Because you don't know. This guy's a light switch. He's either red hot like it or not, or he's got problems today. Amen? And, and Simon Peter answered him and said, verse 16, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. But Jesus answered him and said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven... Did you see it? Peter caught what Jesus hadn't taught. Jesus never told anybody he was the Messiah. Nobody. What, What he was saying is, you caught from the Father what I haven't told you. You're in the flow. That's how I say it. You caught what I haven't taught. I didn't say that. It's true, but I didn't teach it to you. You've connected now with heaven. This is a dirt. You're not getting this from the pastor. You're getting it from the pastor's God. Does this make sense? 
That's what Peter, that's what he figured out. Do you notice that the people at the Pharisees in the temple, God isn't telling them who the Messiah is. They understand that the biblical languages, they got all the things down. They can take you to David's temple or David's tomb. They know all of the markers. They know everything. Peter's a fisherman. I like to say he's, he's a redneck. He has no idea. Amen. He stinks like fish. He is totally out of his realm. But he caught it. He caught what Jesus hadn't told him, who he was. If you'll get close enough to the things of God, God will begin to speak to you about things. The anointing will begin to fall on you. God will begin to use you to do things. God will begin to use you. That's why Jesus said, you see the things that I do, you'll do, and greater works. God isn't just about anointing one person. God wants to anoint each person. God didn't mind that David killed Goliath. He, but over the course of time, if you look in the book of Samuel, four of David's men rose up and they killed giants. Not to replace David as king, but to establish David as king. That power didn't just come on David. It, it transferred to those who were around him. That's what Jesus is saying. If you'll get with me, I can teach you to do I can make you a water walker. But you can't do it just coming to the sermons. You've got to get closer. You have to get involved. Is this making sense to anybody? The things of the Spirit are caught, not taught. The teaching's good, but this is the beginning. If I, I was to go with you and Brother Josh, and you were to go along, you say, well, I'd like to see, you know, how do I become a diesel mechanic? You can sit and have class. But you've got to get where the smell is. Am I right? You, you, I can't do it here. And the classroom's good, but it's not the end game. You, you got to get your hands dirty, and you got to you got to get to where, in the middle of the night, when the flashlight breaks, you can still feel your way across that engine, and know where things are. Amen. That you master that part of life, that you get good at what you're doing. I get so disgusted right now in our nation. People just don't know their jobs. That you talk to people and they don't really understand what they're doing. And, and I don't know how to do this. And the computer's down today. And what did we do before we had computers? What, what in the world is happening with people? I remember checking out at the grocery store. They just had those big buttons they'd hit and then yank that thing. They seemed faster to me than the blink, blink, blink people. I walked, Pastor, I walked in. I'm such a redneck. I walked in with a starter off of a backhoe, an international backhoe, and I'm standing there in line at the parts store with the starter in my hand, and the guy walking across the back of the counter looks over at me. He said, you have an international A2000. I said, uh-huh. You can tell that off of the starter? You, like, you know the whole rest of the tractor from this? And we have ushers who don't know where the children's church doors are? I'm in, is this all right? <laughs> I'm in South Africa. My, my wife is from Cape Town, so we went back to see her parents. Her father was nice enough to get us a tour of the Kruger National Park. You, that Kruger Park isn't a zoo. It's like the jungle. You drive in there. You stay in your car if you have a brain in your head. And the lions and the zebras and everything are running around. And it's just, it's a really cool atmosphere. 
And you know, you drive along and there's elephants one minute and there's coyote, or sorry, there's the, the wild dogs and whatnot. It's really, it really is a treat to go through. So we were blessed. He was kind enough to get us a, um, a night pass and they drive you out because you see more game at night, you know, and they have the lights on this Jeep and he of course has a rifle with him and, and uh, you stay in the Jeep, right? Like in the Jeep. So we're driving along and he's talking about the different animals that are in the area. And I didn't realize there's two different kinds of rhinoceroses. I don't know any of this stuff. I just know rhinos, right? Like don't get in their way. And so he's talking and he's talking about the different rhinos and a different species of rhinos. And he stops and my mother-in-law speaks up and she says, she says, Martin, how do you know that there's this kind of a rhino by looking, and she had, he had pointed to a pile of manure. <laughs> said, how can you tell that's here from this manure pile? He stops the Jeep, looks around for a minute, and he gets out, he walks down, he picks up a piece of that <laughs> perfume, <laughs> and he breaks it open. And he stands there, he said, you see, you see these sticks and, and, and what's left from this tr certain tree? He said, this is, and he named the kind of rhino. He said, if it had another kind of, if it had more grass, it would be a different kind. He made such excellence out of his job. Amen. He could tell you what was in his area by just looking at the manure. Amen. Wow. I would to God we would give ourselves to the book and the things of God, the way that man gave himself to that environment that he worked in every day. And we with such excellence, knew the scriptures, knew the verses, knew the house of God, knew what pastor needed, and we could anticipate what he was looking for. Amen. And we were such in the flow with the things of God. Pastor Barclay was preaching for Pastor Jim Crabb. He used to do a conference called Blazing a Trail in the Spirit. Pastor Crabb's church, if... I don't know how many people are from the charismatic Pentecostal holiness days. Pastor Crabb's church was what I would call wildfire. This I was brand new, been working for Dr. Barclay for less than a year. And he drove down to Pastor Crabb's church and they had one of those old B3 organs going. Well, we didn't do that in a Lutheran church. Right, and, and he, he would jerk when he would talk like that, and he would preach, and then he would jump kind of pogo stick style during the praise and worship. And then he had another guy from the Marines, his name was Lenny Myers, and Lenny would high step, right? He would kick, and he was doing this back and forth, he'd go, glory! And he'd jump side to side and, and crab pogo sticking. Then they had another guy, his name was Joe Candela, they, and he would, when the Holy Ghost hit him, he danced like Fred Astaire. I mean, he was smooth with four O's. He just sashayed his way back, sashayed, and glory, and pogo sticks going, and the B3 organs going. And there was another guy um, by the name of Jim Tracy. Jim had been an alcoholic, and when the Holy Ghost had hit him, he'd stay back in the back, and he'd just go, Jesus! So Jesus, glory, and the pogo stick, and Fred Astaire's going back and forth, and I'm from the Lutheran church. I, I, I learned one thing, shut up. You can think it, but don't say it. Amen? So I'm standing there and all, I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen a place like this before. And in the middle of that, the Holy Spirit speaks to me. I'm standing right next to Pastor on the front row. I mean, my job is give him the Bible. I got it. 
It's what I do. Real important. So I, I'm getting ready. I can give him the Bible. I'm minding my own business. And Joshua, Holy Spirit speaks to me. He says, I want you to notice that the prophets were always in charge of the civil leaders. And he talked to me about Nathan, the prophet, that even when David sinned, though David was a good man and David was king, Nathan, the prophet, had a right to come clean his clock. Amen. So you get your act together, you get the sin out. I don't care who you are. It's not okay with God. And I sat there, or stood there with that Bible in my hand, and glory's going, and Jesus is yelling, and everybody's going on. And I turned to pastor in that environment. I said, it strikes me that the prophets were always in charge of the civil leaders. God never changed that just because he allowed Israel to have a king. He used to talk to me about that after church. So went back to the hotel, and afterwards he began to elaborate on that. Some time went by. Judges began to call him. People from our state capital began to call him. Prosecutors began to call him. If we do this, what, what will this affect in the world stage? Yeah. Leaders of this nation began to look to him. I knew about that in 1991, maybe 1992. It began to really take place in the late 90s going into the year 2000. I didn't catch it from him. He never told me God's going to do this in my ministry. I got it from the preacher's God. I caught what couldn't be taught to me. If he had told me that, I don't know if I would have understood it. But when he told it to me, I marked it in my heart. Does this make sense to anybody? We were in Durham, North Carolina. A pastor was there preaching. And they... If they had a helps team, I couldn't find them. And I'm a one-man band. You know, you know what I'm talking You ever see those guys on the corner that have the drums on their <laughs> right? And then the cymbals on their knees and their little harmonica and they're blowing the little... That's how I felt as an armor bearer. I'm the catcher. I'm the line organizer. I, I'm doing everything but singing because God doesn't want me singing. <laughs> Amen? And in the middle of all of that craziness, I had been asking the Lord because I wanted to hear his voice. I don't want to just bump through life. How about you? And in the middle of all of that craziness, pastor stops and he says, I see a hammer in the spirit and it's going to break some things off of a person's life. And the second he said that, I knew, I mean, this place is packed. We are wall to wall. There's about 300 people there, maybe two and a bit. And, and he says, he says I, I'm going to follow this hammer I see in the spirit. And before he, I got to this row before him and I stopped and I said, the prophet, I can't beat the prophet to the prophecy. That's not going to work. So I had to stop and let pastor pass me up. And then as soon as he did, I ran in behind and I caught the person the second he laid hands on him. And I began to realize it's, it's happening. Just what the Lord had told me. That if I'll get close enough, I'll catch what I can't be taught. I can get in the flow of the Holy Ghost. I don't have to live with the 10,000 questions. I can begin to walk with God. Is this helping anybody tonight? Some time went by. A few years ago, I'm in the Philippines and I'm preaching. 
and I'm preaching for this pastor and, and he's there on the front row and I'm uh, preaching on the ministry of helps and the gift. Don't worry about the outside. Or the I call it the wrapping papers, what Frank Mosier was my dean of uh, SMTI when I went. He said so many people get caught up on the wrapping paper, they lose track of the gift. The gift isn't this. That's just what God wrapped it in. The gift is what's down inside the heart of a man. That's what you got to connect with. So I'm teaching along those lines, and, you know, I'm the American, and so for a while in that Filipino church, everybody's paying attention, and I, as I continue to teach and just open the Bible, I realize I've lost the youth. They're passing notes. You know, I, and I, you know, when you preach, you can tell. You can tell. You, some people tried to hide it. These kids weren't even trying to hide it. They were in the back. Their parents were in the front, so they thought they were cool. And I, you know, sometimes that'll kind of mess with you, and I thought, you know what, I don't even care. I love this sermon. I'm going to preach it to me. It's my favorite sermon that the Lord has me preach. I, I couldn't care less. I'm just going to enjoy myself and obey God. So I, I kept preaching and I got all done. And I went to turn the service over to that pastor. And I look and he's sitting on the front row, tears running down his face. And I said, Pastor, come on up here now. And, and as he began to come up, I said, you know what we ought to do, everybody? Let's just do a cash offering for Pastor. Rather than my offering, just whatever you have. If you have any cash, I want you to bring it here, and I want you to just bless Pastor tonight. And he's standing there. I didn't realize what had happened in that church is the pastor who had been there before, he was an engineer, got saved, and became a pastor. In Asia in general, but certainly in the Philippines, education is so highly sought because it's a pole vault for so many people out of their bondages and out of poverty. So because this guy was educated and, and an engineer, a lot of people like him came to the church. He, in time, he moved on, and a new pastor came in who I was preaching for, Pastor Rod. Pastor Rod was a drug addict who got saved on the streets of Manila. He was a soul-winning machine. He could get a dead rat saved. I mean, that brother could preach fire. But he was a common guy. He wasn't sophisticated. And the eldership of that church, the way it was run, wanted him gone. And they hadn't paid him in a long time. I found out later his two daughters, 10 and 12, hadn't eaten in two weeks. They were starving him out, trying to get rid of him. And there I am teaching on the gift of the the gift inside of you. Don't worry about the wrapping paper. I don't know God's got me in the middle of all of this. And when I said, everybody, let's bring him a cash offering, the first people up there were the elders board who were all dumping money in his hand. And it broke that demon. That man is in charge of about 10 churches to this day. He stood there weeping. Tears could hard, he could hardly stand his wife and him weeping, his daughter. He cried the whole time we ate lunch, the whole time for an hour and a half after church. I keep, he gave me a little offering. I keep it with me. It's kind of one of my shepherd staffs for victory. I, I can't spend it. It's more precious than the money. You know what I'm talking about? The, the memory of what God did that day. You understand my father's a farmer became an airplane mechanic, but he basically in his heart of hearts, he's a farmer. And the farmer's kid is saving a church in a country where I don't speak their language through an interpreter because the Holy Ghost told me if I would find a man of God, he would help me connect with his power. 
and he would use me in his kingdom. Because the things of the spirit are, you can't teach that. So Brother Ray, where did you catch that? I caught it that night ushering in Durham, North Carolina, when nobody would help me. And I found that person with the hammer was going to. And I began to work with my pastor that night. Is this making sense to anybody? Peter began to become changed into somebody he had never been. All the fancy pants people down at the temple, God didn't talk to them about who the Messiah was. But the common man who would come alongside and help and row the boat, go get the fish with the gold coin in its mouth. He began to get in the flow of the power of the Holy Spirit and he touched the world. Do you realize the best-selling book of all time is what is on your lap right now? Do you know why? Because 11 common men touched by the power of God would not shut up about what Jesus Christ had done in their lives. And literally the Pharisees said, we told you not to preach this message in our city. You see, they own Jerusalem. Jerusalem isn't a place. They own that city. That's theirs. And they said, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. In other words, you're more well-known here than we are. This is our home turf. You've taken over. Who? The fishermen. Matthew, the tax collector. One person at a time whom Jesus Christ had touched. Got taught, they, got, they caught on to the power of the Holy Spirit. And they began to turn Jerusalem to the way it should be. Can you say amen? Does this make sense to you? The things of the Spirit are caught. They're not taught. More testimony. Is that all right tonight? Pastor calls me one morning. I was just starting to work for him. And he calls me early in the morning. He says, hey, he says, I'm going to go down to Saginaw. It's about 30 minutes from our city. He said, I got to get some work done on my vehicle. I'll drop it off. And he said, then you pick me up in your car. We'll run some other errands. He said, bring your stuff and we'll talk and we'll set up meetings. We, he multitasked all the time, all the time. And so I had a list that I would keep printed out of every invitation that we had gotten. And we'd talk about it. And I had the calendar. And so sometimes he'd drive, sometimes i drive. And he'd flip through. Okay, well, we'll do this and we'll do that. So we never wasted a minute. And so I, I went to pick him up. And I, he gets in my car. I had a little Pontiac Sunbird at the time. And um, I would always get, whenever it rained, I'd get water on the back floorboard. I don't know why. I could never find it. I put more silicone on that car than they put metal on it. I could not seal that thing up. And so he got in my car, and I apologized. I said, Pastor, I'm so sorry. I said, I, I didn't know this was going to happen. And I said, I don't have a fancy or a nice car. This is the best I've got. And I'll never forget, he looked at me, and he said these words. He said, Ray, he said, I don't care that it's not new or fancy. He said, could you vacuum it? And I began to make excuse because I'm in a trailer. Is this all right for a Sunday night? Are you with me? I'm in a trailer. I used to have a carport, but a strong wind came along and tore it off the front and put it in the backyard. And the insurance company wouldn't even replace it. They said, we're just going to total your whole trailer. So all I could do was get what little money they would give me, and I took it, I took it down to sold it for scrap metal. That's the only money I could get. And in that, he's like, he's worried about dust on the floor. And I started to make an excuse like, look, we don't all have garages and nice things. And I know you don't think like that, but I did. Amen. So I started to make excuse. And before I could, he says, he says, 
could you take this car down to the car wash and use their vacuum? I said, yeah. He said, what would that cost you? I said, 50 cents. He said, do you have 50 cents? Yeah. He said, then it's not a money problem, is it, son? Oh, ouch is right. Ouch is right. Cut to the heart, brother. Cut to the heart. But you know, he was right. What he was teaching me was called stewardship. God is huge on stewardship. What are you doing with what God has already given you? Amen. So I began to go home and I took care of everything that I had to the best of my ability. Yeah, you need some money. Yes, you need some new things, right? Stuff doesn't last forever. But if you don't take care of what God's already given you, don't ask God to give you a newer or fancier one. Amen. So I was, I was working on all of that. Some time has gone on. Most people know my son Nathan is now pastor's chief pilot, right? His plane is a Hawker 900X or XP, I believe. Sorry, I'm, I'm not as accurate on all of that. They took it in not too long ago to the shop to have its annual inspection done. At the end of the entire inspection, they take it all apart and kind of put it back together again. And they looked at it and they, they turned and they said to Nathan, you know, my son who's the chief pilot, he said, they said, this is the best maintained Hawker we have ever seen of this year, ever. And it's one of the number one facilities in the nation. Do you know where my son learned that? Because my pastor told me, vacuum your car. Don't live in slop and swallow. Take care of what God has given you. And it got in my house and in my family. Does this make sense to anybody? It became a way of doing things cars that I bought, I would get as much money for or more than I, because I took good care of them. Our, our home, even our trailer, we painted it, we carpeted it, we did the best we could to take care of it. We sold it for, for more. It was a trailer. I didn't even want it. But we got good money. The people who bought it, were, they had a house on a river they were going to buy, and they decided not to. They'd rather have our trailer. I said, God, when you split the Red Sea, I thought you were big stuff. But you can get people to buy this trailer? How great is our God? Hallelujah. Time went on. My daughter grew up. She became um, a nurse in labor and delivery. She went into the hospital, started her shift about 6.30 in the morning. And she got there. And so one of the other nurses had delivered a baby during the night. And so they, they brought Kendra in, and they're just, okay, here's the baby, it's the mom, everybody's fine, and you just kind of take over from there, and they log into a little computer system, you know. And so Kendra's looking it all over, and she stops, and she, you know, they swaddle the, the newborns, right? They're all wrapped up. And so she begins to unwrap everything, and she's looking. And the nurse says to her, no, you don't need to do that, Kendra. Everything's fine. Um, you know, you're, you're all good to go. She's just, I want to do it myself. And she took everything apart, and she looked, and she said, where'd this mark come from on the toe? She said, well, I, I don't know. She said, well, she didn't stub it walking around. She just got here. <laughs> How'd this happen? She said, well, I, I don't know. And she began to, to do, do some checks on the heart monitor. One side of the arm is intake of the heart. The other is, yeah, I don't understand how it all works. And she found a heart abnormality, and it was overpressurizing and about to hurt the kid. 
And she called the doctor who was already leaving and walking up the hall said, you got a big problem. And the doctor came back and they got the kid into ICU and everybody's fine. And the doctor said, Kendra, I want to thank you. We could have lost that one. Yes. Where'd my daughter learn to do that? Because my pastor said, go home and vacuum your car. Don't live a life of disarray and, and not taking care of the things that God has given you. Be a good steward. Am I helping you on a Sunday night? I said it this morning, these little things that our pastors teach us, these little things that we're taught, they mean something in God. It's important to God. I could give you testimony after testimony after testimony. But again, the things of the Spirit, they're caught, not taught. You, you, when, when a Terry Mize is in town, when, when Pastor Baker, when Dr. Barkley lands, there should be a lineup of people that want to go to the airport to drive. There shouldn't be one or two. We should have a consistent lineup of people volunteering to do things. I mean, look at the backpacks. They're not thrown in a pile. They're organized. They're set by. There's a structure. Why? Because it matters for who it's for. It matters for who it's for. There's excellence in this house. You can see it everywhere. If you'll pick up that heart, if you'll catch that in the spirit. You know... When I first went to work for Pastor, he, he, was in, he, he had a plane and then he lost it. He was believing God to buy another one. And in the middle of all of that, <clears throat> um, they, when they hired me in, there wasn't, you understand, there wasn't extra money. Extra money to me is like that oasis in the desert. People walk there and it's gone when you get there, right? <laughs> That's my best definition of extra money. <laughs> Right? When you need it, it's like evaporato. <laughs> and, and so they hired me on and um, uh, they said, you know, look, this is what we can pay you. And I said, look, I'm mowing lawns. Do you mind if I keep mowing lawns nights and weekends in between when I'm not working for you? And then that'll supplement my income because I'd like to have a little bit more to, to live on. He says, no problem. So some time went by and he asked me, how's it going? I said, good, but it's fall of the year now. It's getting dark at about 6.30, 7 o'clock. I don't get out of work until 5. By the time I get, leave the office and get changed and get on my first job, it's 5.30, almost 6. I can't get four or five lawns done that quick. pastor said to me, he said, go down to the car parts store. Get yourself a fog light kit, a wire, a switch, and meet me at my house with your lawnmower. So I walked, I went down, I got those, I, I come up to, the, to his house, and he takes apart my lawnmower, bolts down those fog light kits from the car, wires them into the battery, puts a switch on there, and I am mowing until 10.30 at night. <laughs> I remember the first time, is this helping anybody? Yes. Do you know that idea made me $10,000 that first year? God is not a one-way blesser. God sets up win-win situations. You help the kingdom of God, God gets involved. You come in his house and go to work, he goes to your house and goes to work. This is a win-win situation all the way around. You can't, quote, do business with a better partner than the almighty God. He will get you ready for your future. I just tell you, I get concerned some preachers preach destiny and future so much. God has a plan. God has a destiny. I'm not worried about God. I think he's okay. The question is, when he gives it to you, will you be ready for it? If he, if he were to give you your dream, could you hold on to it? 
Amen? Yeah. So, so a lot of the preaching is to get you ready for what God wants to do. Get you ready, develop you. Why? What's that called? Equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. If he gave you a healing anointing, can you hold on to it or are you going to get arrogant? You're going to not come to church because two people got healed. Now you have a healing ministry. That's what, ha that's what happens to people. You, you, you don't develop yourself to get ready for the miracle when it comes. Is this helping anybody on a Sunday night? So, um, you know, he, he helped me that way. I, I, I went to his house one night to, uh, well, let's look at some more Bible verses. Is that all right? Go with me to Numbers chapter 11. This is kind of a real foundational verse for me. I've read it here before, but I want to read it again. Numbers chapter 11. Verse 10. Numbers chapter 11, verse 10. While you're going there, I, I just want to quote, I was given a study that was done about the Jewish rabbis of Jesus' day and how they did their teachings and how they had what we would call students. Do you know the Jewish rabbis of Jesus' day, they never saw their students unless they were in the classroom. They spent zero time with them outside of the classroom. That's why Jesus was so different. All of the students chose their teachers. Jesus said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. He was so opposite. My point is, is that all of that we see in the scriptures, it not only was intentional, it was God's intention. It wasn't Jesus' style. It's God's style. Not that Jesus isn't God, but you understand it wasn't just his way of doing it. You can come up with your own way. No, you can't because this is how God works. But here in Numbers chapter 11, verse 10, this is Moses. Moses is a first-time pastor. He's not doing too bad. He's running about one and a half million people for his first church. I think he's doing all right. We're going to get to see Moses' private prayer life, I always say. Because, you know, when Moses got done praying, he, he glowed like a light bulb. You might want to study what he prayed. Amen. Moses saw God face to face like a man speaks to his friend. That's pretty good business. So let's see what Moses prays here in Numbers 11.10. Then Moses heard the people weeping throughout their families, everyone at the door of his tent. No, not in this Holy Ghost church. I can't believe it. And the anger of the Lord was greatly aroused. Uh-oh. And Moses also was displeased. So the people are crying, God's mad, and the pastor's ticked off. Doesn't sound like revival to me, does it to you? Moses said to the Lord, why have you afflicted your servant, and why have I not found favor in your sight that you have laid the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I beget them that you should say to me, carry them in your bosom as a guardian carries a nursing child to the land which you swore to their fathers? In other words, he's letting them know, I didn't promise them the promised land. You promised them the promised land. Here it is. Verse 14. I am not able to bear all these people alone because the burden is too heavy for me. If you treat me like this, please kill me here and now. You know... We don't often think about Moses this way. But he's a person. He hurts. He gets tired of being talked about, I think, on occasion. It gets a little bit old. He's never done this before either. You don't, uh, nobody goes to 
Red Sea splitting class yeah. in the best of the Bible schools. Right. Strike the rock, get water from it. That wasn't in any of the theological books he had read. Right. In the middle of all of this that's going on, he, Moses comes to the place where he says, I'd rather die than go back and pastor that church. Isn't that something? Yeah. Pharaoh doesn't do that to him, but the people do. Verse 16, so the Lord said to Moses, gather to me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be elders of the people and officers over them and bring them to the tabernacle of meeting that they may stand there with you. Then I will come down and I will talk with you there. I love that part. And I will take of the spirit that is upon you and I will put that same upon them. They'll catch what you can't teach them, Moses. They'll catch it, but they got to get around you. Yes. They shall bear the burden of the people with you that you may not bear it yourself alone. Amen. This guy's got a church of one and a half million people. He's got more miracles than we can write down. Right? It isn't like it's not a church of power. He's got bread falling out of the sky. That's pretty good business. Yeah. You're cold, he's got, a, he's got a flame up there to get you warm. You're hot, walk under the cloud. I mean, this is a miracle church. And in all those miracles, you know what they still needed? You. You. All that going on, all that heaven was doing, all the many mighty works, that great pastor needed you to walk with God in your gift, and in your call. We'll never get so far that we don't need the helps people to do their part in their ministry. The things of the Spirit are, they're not. We can have all the classes all day long, but the truth is your pastor should be tripping over you. Every time he shows up, every time he gets busy, every time he says we need this or we need that, and that's where the things of the Spirit begin to go into work. I, I never dreamt, we were talking about this at, at um, lunch. I never dreamt my son would, would end up as pastor's pilot. All I knew is he came in my office one day, he shut the door behind him, and he said, Ray, I want you to help me buy an airplane. Oh, yeah, because I had gone to airplane purchasing classes. <laughs> I've been waiting for you to ask me. I'm a redneck. I have absolutely no idea what we're doing around here. But there's this powerful force in the earth called love. Amen. God so loved the world. Yes. He gave. Love's an amazing thing. You can be sitting in this church and just sit next to your spouse like there and, and everything's just fine. And just walk up and push her and watch how love treats you. Right? It makes you mad, and I haven't even done it yet. <laughs> a husband can love his wife and let one of the kids sass their mother. Watch how love handles that. Amen. You love the house of God, you won't let people walk on it. No. You won't let people talk about it, no. gossip about it, lie about it, slander it. You fall in love with the things of God. Sometimes I tell people, I understand you're not spirit-filled, but you ought to be quiet. Just because you don't understand speaking in tongues doesn't mean the rest of us weren't changed by it. Amen. We weren't changed by it. Amen. And over the course of time, 
over the course of time. Verse after verse after verse. You'll find people that got involved with the ministry and the anointing began to transfer onto them to help that man or woman of God do the work of the ministry. Folks, that's what I came to teach you, these two meetings. God doesn't want to just work with Pastor Baker. God didn't want to just work with Dr. Barclay, Dr. Evans, Dr. Mize. God wants to work with you. God wants to use you to fund his kingdom. He wants to use you to raise up missionaries and send them out. God wants to use you for the new building. God wants to use you to evangelize the lost. God wants to use you to touch the world and to help this man of God do it. Can you say amen? We pray you were blessed by the message we were able to share with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to find out more about our ministry, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.